G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. A great topic of conversation ahead of us this hour. I hope you can stick around and, as I often say, keep at least one ear glued to the conversation. We're going to be talking about dark TV, a fascination with human evil, a recent television series. Do they, in fact, plumb the heart of darkness? You might have some contribution to make. We'll open our talkback lines, our telephone number, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to be a part of our conversation, perhaps you'd like to contribute to Does Television Influence Our Thinking and Our Behaviour, For Good or For Evil? And when sin and evil are glorified, what do you do to change the situation? Well, let's talk through some of these issues. Dark TV. Always good to talk to Simon Smart from the Centre for Public Christianity. He's joining us. Hello, Simon. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, hi, Neil. Good to talk to you. Good to have you back with us, Simon, I must say. And uh, love the way that you guys there at the Centre for Public Christianity are so constantly on the ball when it comes to the ways you're looking at the changes in our Australian culture. And uh, you're engaging uh, the public right across the nation and uh, talking about uh, all sorts of things to do with the relevance of Christianity in the 21st century. So just great to be able to talk to you today. Simon, let's talk about television, and I guess we're talking, uh, when we talk television series, about movies as well in general, but you're focusing a little on TV and calling it dark TV. What is so dark about TV today? Hmm. Yeah, thanks, Neil. I've been thinking about this and writing about it a little bit lately. It just struck me that... Um, quite a lot of the, and let's, I'd have to say the best TV on offer at the moment. Um, some of the, you know, the best acting, the best script series that really capture people's attention and draw them in and become very famous are tending to focus on human uh, darkness, human evil, sinfulness, if you like, uh, the brokenness of, of humanity. And it just really, um, I don't know, it's just really something I found interesting as a, as a phenomenon. So I might think of series like Mad Men, which is the um, series that focuses, I think it's now up to about its seventh, seventh run, seventh series, focusing on Madison Avenue um, ad agencies in the 1960s. Um, you've got series like The Sopranos, which finished a little while ago, but was very, very popular. Uh, the Wire, um, looking at um, the life of the police force as well as people on the street in Baltimore. Uh, Breaking Bad, you might know, Neil, which is about a high school chemistry teacher who turns into a drug lord. Uh, oh, there's a bunch of these. The Killing, which is a Danish series. It's about a detective and uh, absolutely brilliant television. Some of the episodes in these series are, are masterpieces. But they, the thing that's common to all of them is that they do? They have a very dark feel to them. There's um, there's a focus on characters who are very, very fallen characters, and there's very little in the way of redemption. 
Well, Simon, my big admission here is that uh, I'm not a big fan of any of the television programs you've mentioned. And that doesn't mean that they're not popular because uh, obviously they rate very highly and they keep uh, turning out series after series uh, on some of these programs. But our listeners will be familiar with these programs and inviting them to be a part of our conversation today if you've got some thoughts about the values, uh, the morality, uh, the evil or the good that's coming through any of these television programs, Talkback Line, open 1-800-316-316. Out of those programs that you've mentioned and others that are being watched frequently on television, Simon, uh, is there any one of those that's really outstanding when it comes to this point of view that we're bringing today about dark TV? Well, I think Mad Men's very captivating. It's so beautifully constructed and acted. Um, so lots of people have been taken in by that and and the characters are almost unrelentingly uh kind of bad characters that even the the main character don draper is such a deeply fallen person yet you, you find yourself sympathizing with him as well it's a very interesting kind of psychological experience because he kind of he's a bit of a mess and he he creates all this carnage around him in terms of relationships. So yeah, the Mad Men's very interesting. Um, the killing I found absolutely compelling. Uh, but again, the main character Sarah Lund, who's this brilliant detective who finds her way through some really difficult cases, uh, is is a very flawed individual. Her her own personal life and her relationships are a disaster, and so. You know, there's elements to these stories that I, I just think maybe represent something that's going on in our culture. I think gone are the days where you'll have these kind of heroic figures um, who are you know, kind of almost flawless and are coming to the rescue. Uh, I think it's a very interesting and probably realistic to have characters who are much more complex than that. And, uh, but, but nonetheless, in, in, in the, one, the series I'm mentioning, uh, actually don't have a lot of redeeming features either, some of them. Um, the House of Cards is another one, which is very, very popular and very well made. And that is a political drama in America. And the, the main character there is he's serious, him and his wife together are pretty much the devil. Um, there is, there's no uh, redeeming features to them. Interestingly, when we talk about our human nature, and I know you like to talk about this sort of thing, Simon, uh, you know, the sinful nature and then there's sort of the redeemed nature and uh, people who've put their faith in Christ are often able to uh, understand uh, this difference in the nature that's within us. But it does appear to me that when you start talking about these programs and, and really we could be more broad and talk about television in general, even the yeah. sitcoms that are on TV are not filled with good morality, but there is a certain sense, isn't there, that those things that attract the sinful side of our nature are really rating very highly at the moment. Yes, and and they're very. It's a very interesting. So it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, um, if you think back to um, a, a epic poem like Paradise Lost, written by John Milton, some people have pointed out that the most interesting character in that whole thing is is the Satan character. I mean, the the this human evil is a very interesting thing for us, um, and something worth considering and I guess confronting. I just wonder, though, um, where we look for 
the, even the brighter side of some of these characters because it, it seems to have dropped out of the picture. I think there was a, there was a time where we would have had more um, characters who might have had some quirks and, and, and failures, but nonetheless were mostly going to come through with good. Um, in some of these series, you don't really get that. Where is the real risk here, Simon? Because uh, it seems to me, and I guess if you think a little deeply about it, uh, the idea of having uh, evil characters uh, isn't a bad one if you know what's good in the first place. It does seem to me, though, that the the risk might be around the idea that people have uh, moved away from what is good or what is righteous, and therefore the influence of evil becomes even more accelerated. It could be, Neil. I tend to think of it more in terms of, of a reflection of, of how people are feeling about our culture rather than something to be you know, wary of. And I think it's a really interesting reflection in that perhaps there's a time where people sensed that there was something that would come to the rescue, that would redeem us, that would save us. And, and what, perhaps what we're seeing here is a sense that no, well, maybe that isn't right. Maybe we're incapable of this. These, these characters, even the, the kind of characters that we um, have a lot of attention in these stories, aren't ones that we can trust to, to get it right. And so that may reflect, you know, the, the, I wonder this. I'm not, I'm not sort of coming down too clearly on it. But not so much as sort of an irredeemable cynicism about uh, these characters, but almost a longing for something better. You know, as one writer who wrote about this said, an absence can be a form of presence in the sense of an expression of a desire. So I, I just wonder whether this is reflecting the way we're feeling about life, that, you know, someone's not coming to make it better, that um, hope is hard to come by. I, I actually believe that our society is struggling when it comes to finding true hope. Uh, hope in the deep sense, not that sort of optimism about you know, what might happen tomorrow, but that sort of deep sense of hope in the midst of the, of, of the, the realities and the struggles of life. Well, Simon, wanting to invite our listeners to be a part of this conversation because uh, there will be comment that will come and enrich the sorts of things we are talking about today. And uh, just to reflect on what you were just saying there about the absence of goodness or the absence of a hero. Uh, what were you saying there? Because I think that, that was a, a really uh, interesting point that you're bringing out. The fact that we're not seeing the heroes in the uh, mould of the righteous uh, character that comes in and saves the day. That's actually saying something significant. Just to enlarge on that a little for us. Yeah, well, I think of even when I was young, you get some... some um storylines that were much more binary. So there was the goodies and the baddies. There was some terrible thing would happen and a lot of the story might involve some good character kind of maybe riding in on his horse, either literally or figuratively, and, you know, saving the day, punishing the evil and sorting it out and, and so on. I just think these days you don't get that as much in, in these stories. And so some people have reflected on this and thought, well, Maybe it's just we're so cynical now that we don't believe anyone can can redeem us. Or another way of looking at this might be that this absence of the hero might be an expression of a desire for this, for something better. Um, you might even say a desire for God. Uh, we we recognise we need salvation 
it's in short supply. We need, if we're looking for justice and redemption, we need to look somewhere beyond ourselves to find it. Um, I'm not saying that these these programs are sort of consciously saying it, but they might well be reflecting something that's, that's happening in our culture, and it might be us opening ourselves up to admit that we we, we feel like we need the hero and we don't know where to look for it. Our talkback line is open. Your thoughts are invited. 1-800-316-316. Our number, our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Simon, some people who might be defending the evil characters on TV uh, perhaps might argue that uh, that entertainment has become more sophisticated today, so that uh, there are you know new areas to explore, and so therefore producers of these television programs, the scriptwriters who are putting together these scripts and uh, engaging these characters in uh, in in these productions, are, are really just uh, touching new areas of sophistication and entertainment. Uh, what are your thoughts on on just that idea? Well, I think Neil's probably true. Um, human. The human condition is sort of endlessly interesting, and that's what makes these character studies so so um, such good viewing. And and I, and I do think there's a it's it's certainly more sophisticated to talk about the the, the mixed nature of, of human characters rather than just straight here are the goodies and here are the really the baddies. I think this is a definitely a, a move to something more sophisticated because all of us know if we have a moment sort of self reflection. Whatever kind of good bits of us there are, we know that there are parts that we'd rather no one else knew about. And uh, I think this is reflected in these these characters. We we recognise that even the best of us have our deep uh, flaws, and even the supposedly worst of us have elements to them that might surprise us in, in positive ways. So yeah, I actually think it is a a, a more interesting. Uh, way of producing stories and characters. Uh, let's get uh, let's get a little bit uh, biblically spiritual here, Simon. Uh, some people would say that uh, evil in uh, television programs uh, is being directed by uh, the Prince of Darkness. Uh, we already talked about Satan when you were talking about early writings, early poetry, but uh, there is a certainly an influence here, and there'd be a lot of people who'd like to say there is no such character as Satan. And uh, of course, uh, some people say the biggest lie that Satan tells is that he's not there at all. But uh, uh, is there, and uh, what sort of influence does he have behind the scenes when you talk about the the prince of the power of the air, the prince of darkness? Well, at the very least, um, these programs ought to tell us something about the reality of evil, um, and I do think they, I do think they do that. Um, that they they look at the ways in which people use other people for their own means. They use they look at the way that people's actions, either deliberate and sometimes unintended, cause a whole lot of damage to others. Um, and they look also at the way that sometimes very deliberate, um, awful, cruel treatment of others. We think of um, uh, a character. Uh, from the, like the main character in The Sopranos, for instance, who, and the interesting part of this was that he was capable of a terrible cruelty and yet also as a very sort of tender father and sort of a vulnerable figure as he went along to his, his therapist. So, yeah, definitely, um, you know, looking at the, the human nature, 
you are confronted by the reality of evil. So I think they're at least facing that. Um, but I, I would say that you know the description of something evil isn't necessarily approving of it. So you might look at a program like House of Cards and see the way that Frank Underwood, the politician, uses people only for his own benefit and then discards them in the most awful, ruthless way. And you're not meant to like that character. Right? It's just a, it's it's presentation of evil doesn't mean that you're supposed to be attracted to it. I'm sure the the makers of the the series don't mean it that way. So so just its presentation doesn't isn't necessarily a sort of affirmation of it. Although I think you have to be a little bit careful uh, in and a bit discerning in the programs that you watch. That's for sure. It sounds to me like you're talking about a fascination with evil uh, that might mean that you don't approve of it but you're still really attracted to it this fascination and and you know if we were sort of ascribing blame here it's very easy to say well the producers of these television programs are uh, producing things that are uh, pushing people in a wrong direction but it's the appetite of the viewer I suspect that's the other side of the story. I mean, how do you ascribe blame as to, uh, you know, why this sort of evil might proliferate in television programming? Yeah, well, I think, as I say, I, mean, I think it's more of a, um, just an observation rather than I'm thinking, you know, it's someone's fault. Um, I, I think uh, there are some programs that are, you might think are quite evil and they're, and they're trying to draw people into that very evil thing. Um, and I'd be very, very wary of those. The sorts of things I've been describing sort of programs, I think are more like a mirror being held up to society and uh, reflecting some of the things that we're already feeling and are not necessarily endorsing the behaviour of some of these characters who really are making a mess of things. And, um, and so in that sense, I think it's just, um, it, it's merely a sort of, description of, of a phenomenon that's taking place and it just leaves me wondering what what it says to us about our um, you know the things that we look for the things that we desire I'd like to think that when we watch this sort of thing and we see the way hum, humans make a mess of life that it, it might help some people some of us start to look for it look for redemption elsewhere we might look to to God. I've got a friend who reckons he became a Christian after reading Stephen King's sort of horror books because he was really confronted with the reality of evil in those books and it was a thing that sort of pushed him towards you know, a search for God. Well, I want to invite our listeners to be a part of our conversation. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Perhaps you've got your own story of how you've been confronted by the evil in what you may have seen on television, what you may have read in books. Uh, let's be a little broader and talk about media in general. Talking about dark TV this hour, your opportunity to be part of our conversation, one 316 Simon Smart from the Centre for Public Christianity, our guest, talking through a lot of issues this hour that you will like to make a contribution to. Does television influence our thinking and our behaviour? for good or evil uh, and when sin and evil are glorified uh, what do you do to change direction is it something you just do personally is there something you can do uh, corporately uh, Simon Smart when we talk about the sorts of things we're attracted to look at on television uh, we've already sort of talked about how our human nature is a part of this we are fascinated by evil uh, enlarge a little for us if you would uh, on uh, the Christian view of, of our human nature 
Well, Neil, there's, um, there's a lot that we could talk about with this, but um, I think sometimes uh, we forget that the, the, the Christian understanding of the human person, and uh, it's really, I think it's a vital one when we consider the Christian uh, understanding of reality. And it's a, it's, there's a paradox at the, at the core of this. So for the human person, uh, according to Christianity, every single one of us has this ex- exalted status of being made in the image of God. And that is a very, very sort of lofty vision of, of every person. So whether you're the prince or the peasant, uh, everyone is, is made in, in God's image. We get that right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, where every person's made in God's image, male and female. And um, that has kind of stamped that idea, stamped on our, on our Western culture. I mean, when you get, we're coming up to Christmas, the incarnation where you have God himself becoming a, a person, you don't get a, a stronger affirmation of, of uh, what it is to be a physical human being than that. And so in, in Christianity, you have this very, very um, exalted picture. And, why, and it's why of, of the person, and, and it is why our culture has come to understand that every life is of, of immense value, whether, whether that life is um, young or old, or whether it um, has a capacity. So you, you might be, uh, not have a lot of capacity, you might not be particularly useful, but we, we regard, because for various reasons, but we regard every person's life as valuable. So that's the one side of the coin, and a very, very important one. Uh, there, there is another side, though, and that is the called the fallen person. And so the, the biblical picture, again, is one of every single one of us, though we're made in the image of God, and that's a, a worth that God bestows upon us. We're also, every one of us, fallen. And uh, that means, as uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, the dividing line of good and evil cuts through the heart of every person where we're kind of not just imperfect, but we have this propensity to muck things up. Uh, we have this propensity towards even evil, and so therefore we're in great need of something beyond ourselves to to save us from that. Um, both of those things are vitally important to hold together. They're kind of a paradox, but a, a, an important paradox if you if we kind of understand what the Christian view of the human person is: immensely valuable, but fallen and needing uh, salvation. And, of course, because we have this fallenness about our character, the big change happens uh, when we come to faith in Christ, and then we're on a journey of renewal. Uh, people talk about that, uh, that word sanctification, being made uh, holy like Christ, and uh, we conform to his image. And therefore, the, the evilness in our human nature needs to take on a different dimension, a, a renewed dimension uh, towards righteousness. Uh, so when we're actually struck with uh, the evil we might be seeing on television and recognizing this fascination with that, uh, as a Christian, how do you actually make sense of, of how you ought to feel about television? Yeah, well, you mentioned renewal and sanctification. So plenty of us wish that would happen faster uh, in, in each of us. <laughs> and we're um, all a work in progress there. That's right. That's right. And, and absolutely. And so you, the, you know, the Christian understanding is that someone who... Um, has God's Spirit come into them as a gift um, that he, he will work change in us. And uh, over time, sometimes slowly, 
we'll be uh, shaping us in directions that uh, we wouldn't have gone on our own kind of strength or our own steam. So, yeah, definitely that. Um, when it comes to sort of what we're attracted to, I mean, I, personally, I'm just interested in the way artists, and they've always done this, have been able to either write about or paint or, you know, sculpt or whatever it might be, um, really interesting reflections on on this this conundrum of the of the of human nature that we're we're kind of capable of so much that's wonderful and yet capable of so much that's that's truly awful and um so I just find myself very also very interested in in that that sort of question and and I guess I really love stories that it includes some element of hopefulness some element of light um, I think some of the best writing will do that, but it won't be obvious necessarily. Um, you know, it can be done very clunkily, but some of the best novelists are able to draw on the human condition, sometimes the real struggle of that, but offer some degree of hope or light within that. And certainly that's, that's more in line with the Christian um, understanding of life than, than some of the things we're, we're seeing these days, even though they're very good programs. Let's talk about the idea that, do you remember there's an old illustration uh, that people used to use and perhaps some do today, uh, the idea of uh, a black dog and a white dog fighting. Uh, Which one will win? Uh, And the one that will win will be uh, the opposite one to the one that's, uh, one is being fed and another is being starved and therefore one will eventually triumph. Uh, is there a sense uh, when we talk about you know our human nature? We talk about the sorts of things we're attracted to watching on TV, the sorts of thinking that is created out of that, the sorts of behaviours that come from that, uh, is something that we have a responsibility to have in le- some level some self control over ourselves and over our families who might be uh, following us as a leader. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on, on the idea of actually uh, controlling and 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 uh, putting a stop to some of the evil sorts of things that are influencing us, Simon? Yeah, well, I think everyone, unless they're going to be completely naive, will recognise the tendency towards um, evil things within us, the tendency towards making a mess of things. And the thing, the thing to remember is there's almost nothing that we do that doesn't affect other people. You often hear today people say, well, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, you know, you should be happy to do whatever you like. But I can, there's almost no action that we can take uh, that, that won't in some way impact those around us. And so, you know, we're part of a community, whether we like it or not. And so, yeah, I do think there's a responsibility to, to recognise that aspect of, of human nature. So the Christian, the, the Christian picture that we talked about before, that paradox of incredibly valuable but yet fallen, uh, does contrast with and clash with a, modern, a more modern understanding, which tends to be, in the West at least, tends to be this idea that humans are essentially good. There's a kind of at bottom, you know, we might mess a few things up, but at bottom we're, we're essentially good. That's not the Christian picture at all. And so I think, I like uh, Francis Spufford's description of the Christian community. He says, this, this group of people who gather together are more like the League of the Guilty. They're the people who recognize their own failings, recognize that they, they're, they're not going to make it on their own. They need help uh, to do it um, from God and from each other. And so, yeah, I agree. You, you have to, there's a way in which you can sort of 
head towards the light, if you like, or towards the darkness. You can give yourself over to your fallenness or you can open yourself up to God and his spirit and, and leading you in ways that uh, he, he, he would want to lead you. And I guess you could just let it happen to you or you could actually be a little proactive. And as the old saying goes, better to light a candle than curse the darkness. So if we're talking about television, we're talking about those things that influence us and our societies, perhaps lighting a candle is a good way to move forward. Let me ask, though, how do you light the candle? You might like to contribute to our conversation, 1-800-316-316, our talkback line open. Simon Smart is our guest from the Centre for Public Christianity. We're talking about television. It's Neil with you on 2020. Our special guest this hour, Simon Smart from the Centre for Public Christianity. We're talking about television and what you could say... Dark TV, some of the programs that we watch on television, uh, we're not actually being very judgmental on this particular uh, conversation that we're having, but we're investigating and digging a little deeper to talk about some of the programs that are fascinating to watch. Fascinating, not necessarily because there is anything other than real shock value. Fascinating with uh, evil uh, content and the sorts of things that our human nature might well be attracted to. Uh, Simon Smart, as I reflect on uh, television and movies, do you remember there was a movie out not that long ago, Angelina Jolie, the uh, the star of Maleficent? Do you remember that one? I, I do. I have to confess, I didn't see it though, Neil. Well, I'm confessing that I didn't see it either, but I, I do recall a criticism of that particular movie because it's a, it was all about the tale of Sleeping Beauty and, of course, uh, what might have been an innocent tale that did actually uh, contain an evil character uh, in its uh, origins. In this particular version, Maleficent, I remember the, the critics were saying uh, the biggest thing that was wrong with Maleficent, not that it wasn't, wasn't a, just a, you know, a great production, a blockbuster movie, but it blurred the lines between good and evil. Now, let's talk about blurring the lines because really, I guess we're talking when we discuss some of the television programs that uh, that we mentioned earlier on, uh, it's just outright evil. It's not so much a blurred line, but there is a certain sense in which if you blur the lines between good and evil, you can't tell which is which. Is that a problem? It can be. I think um, I think programs and stories that tell, tell uh, more like I've been describing, which is just a... Uh, the complexity of the human person. So the fact that lots of characters will these days be shown to have have aspects of them that are really truly awful, but also uh, other things that are much more uh, endearing and uh, positive. So uh, I actually think that's that can be just a good uh, realistic way of depicting people. I, I, also, I do though agree, Neil, that if if there's a Kind of almost an attractiveness to the to the evil the evil side of the character, that there's a sort of almost a seductive element to to that. It can be a bit a bit dangerous because, and and, and it might even be that the the more seemingly harmless ones of those are, the, uh, are in fact more dangerous. Some of the the, the you know, programs we mentioned earlier, like The Killing or House of Cards. Um, I don't think at all attractive when they present evil as evil. I think we see it for what it is, and I think that can be a very um, important thing to face up to. It's more the the ones where, you know, sort of what seems harmless, but in fact is actually quite despicable. 
dark, diabolical behaviour. That's when I do, yeah, I do think there can be a danger in that. You know, when you talk about morality on TV, I'm just remembering a TV show I used to watch. Uh, Ed O'Neill, who's in the Modern Family TV show that's on TV today, oh, yes. used to be in a program uh, called Married with Children. Do you remember that one? Uh, married with Children. It was. It was. Uh, it was such a dysfunctional family. That was where yeah. the comedy was, and it was. It's, this is a comedy, and so. But I used to say to uh, people in conversation, you know, in order to make a program as so dysfunctional about uh, life and about family, somebody had to really know what a good family was in order to completely mess it up the opposite way. <laughs> Uh, there is a sense in which that uh, you know that analogy uh, stands for the idea of evil in uh, television and movies today, because uh, you know there is a sense in which if you are going to take uh, what is good and completely turn it on its head to create the sort of evil side, uh, you sort of have to know something a little bit about good to be able to produce the evil. I think that's a good point, Neil. And um, if, you, if you, for instance, you took a, a program like House of Cards that I mentioned. Uh, here you have a guy called Frank Underwood, who's um, uh, uh, a member of Congress in America, and his wife, who's sort of like a, his team, their team together, and um, he just is the most dreadful character. And everything he does is using other people for his own benefit, and he's cruel and ruthless, and you know it's quite stunning. It's very compelling television. I actually think, though, quite a lot of people that I talk to say, after a while, you just—it's just too much. Like you just—you just need something, some character, even one character in the program who, who you like. Now, probably the only likable character I've seen now, in I think it might even be three series, uh, gets killed off. So there's not even there's no kind of light in this program. I do think that can be a problem. Although it does reflect, but the contrast is the is what we know is the good. And I think your point's a good one. To to understand dysfunctional families, it's good to know that there, there are some that actually are functional. Yes. And um and you know, a dysfunctional family is no laughing matter in 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 many ways, that's for sure. However, the distance that a comedy program can give you between your own perhaps difficulties and reality and the, the, the dysfunction that you see can be quite cathartic and uh, that's, that's not, it's not all bad. <laughs> but I take your point though about the knowing the light in order to you know, can contrast with the darkness. Simon Smart from the Centre for Public Christianity is our guest. Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Russell, who is in Brisbane. Hello, Russell. Welcome along to twenty twenty. Hello. How are you? Um, what interests me with telly, I call it the island in the corner. You've got to be careful what you watch, you know. And I'm looking after a child for friends from church. He's only about two year old. And the program was a cartoon. It started off with dragons, but then they put faces on it, and it started to change colour. I picked up witchcraft straight away with it, so I turned it off. The child stood there, and he was screaming when I turned it off, the way it affected him. And I always watch um, the programs when I've got children to make sure, because... People don't even pick up on this stuff, you know, with, with children and that in the tally. And it's very, very dangerous. I, as 
really coming across to me now that it's more of a weapon of the enemy. It's really getting demonic, even in ads and that, you know. Okay, let's hear from Simon. Uh, Simon, uh, particularly when it comes to children's programming, well, children don't have uh, that ability to discern uh, mm. good and evil so well as adults do. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I think um, some of the things that I've been talking about, programs which are quite dark, series and so on, uh, are utterly inappropriate for uh, children and younger people. I also am sometimes horrified by what... Um, People will let their children watch. I don't think there's enough thought goes into this. I think we have, people have to be very discerning about it and thinking about what's age-appropriate. Uh, and I think you're much better to err on the side of caution for children than you are to sort of letting, it, letting them you know, watch whatever. And even sensible people who I have a lot of respect for sometimes let their kids watch things that I think aren't. Uh, right, so yeah, I do agree that there's a, a need to be take great care with with all sorts of messages that you see, uh, images that get in your mind. Um, yeah, there's a real real concern. Russell is still with us. Yes. Was that? Did you say it was your grandson? No, no, I'm oh. with the church, and uh, there's a young couple there. I know the father before he got married. And they haven't got anybody to look after the child. Okay, so... so they go out and have a break and that, but I'll watch what he watches and all that. Russell, a uh, quick word on advice to parents as to what they ought to let their children watch, or if you've got children in your care, obviously kids come around, you know, after school, on weekends. Uh, what should you be doing to police the sorts of things uh, that children are allowed to watch on TV, do you think? I um, sit there and watch them make sure I'm even being in Christian places and um, they're at the Channel 4 or the Channel 3 on and they're really being demonic and I picked up on it and told the parents they weren't aware of it at the time. And when I say you've got to watch the telly all the time, um, even when you're um, watching it yourself, you've got to switch it off at times and that it's that bad, you know. Mm. Russell That's from Brisbane, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. Uh, Simon, uh, there's a real uh, thing that comes out uh, that's important out of what Russell is saying, is that is that parents don't know what their children are watching on TV, and and uh, if they do know what their children are watching, they don't know that what their children are watching may actually be harmful. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's probably a bit of truth in that, and I, I think Russell's right in that you can afford to be a bit of an ogre when it comes to stopping small children watching things that are inappropriate. Um, there's a lot of great children's shows, televisions, even better books uh, to read, which are just letting them be kids and thinking about you know things that are wholesome. I mean, fairy stories. You might think about those. They're, they're, they've got some darkness in them. There's a threat of a violent threat of um, danger in those, but there's a what's common to the fairy story. Tolkien wrote, talked about this. He said is that what it has at the end is there's a sort of defiant um, joy to them. There's a light in those stories. So there's so many good things you know for children to be exposed to, and let them be children. Like I love the my wife's great with getting great children's books. It's very very good at this and, and I've seen the way in which she's blessed lots of people by giving them um, books that are just full of great characters and storylines and redemptive themes and then I think that's what you want as a kid you don't need 
there's enough darkness in the world that you're going to eventually have to face. Uh, let, let children be children. It's Neil with you on 2020. We're talking dark TV this hour. Simon Smart from the Centre for Public Christianity, our guest, taking your calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from John in Sunset. Hello, John. Uh, yes, Somerset in Tasmania. Oh, Somerset, uh, sorry. So yeah. Somerset in Tasmania. Great to hear from you, John. What's your contribution to well, our conversation? I guess... Uh, to uh, follow a, a phrase, the question ultimately is, uh, does life imitate art or does art imitate life and how much is either alternative correct? Uh, the old behaviourist psychologists, and I think they oversimplified it, suggested that our behaviour was just a response to uh, the external stimuli and our environment. And under that argument, uh, the more dark material we observe and take in... Uh, by eye and ear, the more likely we may be to imitate what we observe. <laughs> uh, but I think that's, to a degree, an oversimplification, though there's a degree of truth in it. Uh, the uh, other thing that I've observed, even in my own experience, that once a difficult or a, a, a wrong behaviour pattern becomes a habit, it's very difficult not to... Uh, flick onto that in crisis in uh, an autopilot manner. and uh, So what you're saying is that uh, the more evil you learn to appreciate and are fascinated by, it actually may be addictive? Is that what you're saying? I believe so. There is uh, an addictive quality about it, uh, as uh, uh, that doesn't entirely destroy the individual person's uh, personal responsibility. An area where this becomes even more potent is individuals who have uh, developmental or psychiatric disorders where they no longer have the normal social inhibitions. And when a fascination becomes the rule of life for that person, you may see them act out what they've been fascinated with. John, stay with us. Let's hear from Simon uh, the idea of addic- addictive behaviours. And, of course, there are people who uh, do uh, you know, have some uh, psychological or psychiatric conditions. Uh, uh, those sorts of things, obviously, are, are, are very bad news when uh, you're more attracted to or uh, you're more likely to, uh, to, to see things in, a, in a, a more black and white way. Yeah, I agree. I agree with John. I think, there's, um, I think it's right to say that it's a bit simplistic to just say that you know people end up acting out what they see i think people are a lot more complex than that um so i think he was right in making that statement but i think it's also true to say that um nonetheless you have to be careful about what you're attracted to what you're putting in your mind the i think uh you know images are very powerful um they talk about exposure to violence that kids these days are seeing you know literally hundreds of hundreds of people being killed in sort of films and it looks very innocuous. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's a bit of a danger in that. And I, I suppose I'm one for thinking some of what we see is just really gratuitous violence and so on. And I, I don't, I've never been particularly drawn to that. I do think there's a... a I think you might have mentioned earlier, Neil, there's a sort of a shock value in that. And in order to be shocking, this is true of humour, it's also true of violence on television and film. John is still with us here, Keep Simon. Going. Let me ask yep. John uh, about uh, the idea of shock value. Uh, uh, you, uh, you appear to be, uh, you know, quite uh, well versed in this sort of thing. Is uh, the shock value seems to be an important element of uh, 
of uh, the way that people are attracted to these sorts of things? What are your thoughts, I John? I suppose so. Anything that gets the heart heart pumping, I guess that's how thriller movies work uh, and horror movies. Uh, it's the, the blood rushing around the system and so on that people get a buzz from. Uh, but uh, there becomes a point where people either become adrenaline junkies on this sort of stuff or they become so desensitised that they actually gain pleasure. I remember observing an individual who shall rename nameless uh, enjoying a certain popular video game which involves running over people and crashing cars and breaking traffic rules, robbing things and so on. Uh, in fact, the latest version of it involves, uh, so I was reminded this morning in an email, uh, uh, gratuitous violence uh, and uh, sexual molestation of women as well. I think I've seen uh, that, same, uh, that same email and uh, we'll see if we can well follow through some things that. about that. And apparently, uh, mm. John, uh, just quickly, uh, if, if you have a family, uh, very, very quickly, uh, how do you actually uh, control some of the sorts of things that uh, that are on TV? Uh, in past time, when our sons were younger, it would have been a case of turn it off. Um, the one individual at home nowadays has a developmental disorder, so... Uh, uh, Again, we endeavour to make sure that what he sees is not over the top, shall we say. <laughs> so there's a policing in there. Look, John, I've got to, I've got to uh, farewell you, but thank you so much for being a part of 2020 today. Just great to hear from you, Somerset in Tasmania. Uh, running short of time, Simon, uh, when we talk about these sorts of things, uh, you know, uh, the way forward, obviously you've got to exercise control as a parent. What about exercising self-control for your own input of these sorts of things? Yeah, you have to be discerning. Uh, I, I'm a big believer that all truth is God's truth, and so you sometimes find profound truth in programs that are far from Christian. Uh, but you also, and sometimes you'll see this depiction of evil in a way that drives you towards, you know, away from the darkness and towards the light. And so, but with a bit of discernment, I think that is required uh, to know which of, which of those you're facing. But I, just, I think some of those programs we've mentioned before to, earlier today uh, have have the potential for that. They're looking for redemption; it's not being found there. So where else will we find it? And I think uh, you know we look 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 somewhere beyond ourselves for that. And uh, latest articles that you and others from the Centre for Public Christianity have written, uh, Simon, uh, some good articles engaging our culture today and uh, bringing out Christian point of view? Yep, and I uh, love people to go to publicchristianity.org, if that's all right to say that, Neil. Sure. And, um, you know, take, take those, read them, print them off, send them to your friends. Uh, there's lots, lots of material there. Well, time has run out. Simon Smart from the Centre for Public Christianity and just to say www.publicchristianity.org uh, to follow what these guys do. Simon, thanks for being with us today on 2020. That was great to chat with you, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.